Well, this morning we're starting a new series entitled The Poisonous Prophet. Uh, we're looking at the book of Jonah. So we're going to spend this morning and the next three weeks in the book of Jonah. So I invite you to take your Bibles and join me in the book of Jonah. If you're using the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 774. If you have your electronic devices, uh, turn in there, you know, whatever you're using, but have a copy of God's Word in front of you. The book of Jonah. I want you to follow along with me as I read chapter 1 this morning. Chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to us. It was several years ago. Matter of fact, we were still as a church meeting back in Springfield High School. And we had invited a a singer and artist to come to our church to work with the choir that we had at that time and then to do a concert on Saturday night. Now, this artist was recommended to me And the advertisement for this artist, what he had written up about himself, was an artist with a heart for God, his people, and his music. He delivers with quality, integrity, a clear message of God's grace. He's well known in the Christian community, having sung in hundreds of churches across the country. His musical presentations are not just concerts, but powerful worship experiences that will challenge and inspire any congregation. He shares the message of God's love in a winsome and powerful way. So we brought him in. And on Saturday night at the concert, midway through the first part of the concert, he stopped. In the front row, sitting, was a member of a church, a a sweet little old lady. Now, I recognize now, she was probably younger than what I am right now, but (laughs) she... (laughs) So I use that term as relative. I don't think of myself as a sweet little old man, but some of you may think of me in that way. Well, and... She was losing her eyesight. She had a a disease. And she loved this singer. And she was so excited to come. And so she, right there in the front row, and so that she might be able to see something, she brought a pair of opera glasses with her so that she could see something of the singer. Well, when he stopped... He looked at her and he said, what's wrong with you, lady? You need opera glasses from the front row? What are you trying to do? See the hairs in my nose? Well, people in our church were appalled. She was mortified. She was embarrassed. And deeply hurt. She left the concert at the intermission. At the intermission, I went to the artist. And I said, hey, I want to explain something to you. And I told him the story of the lady. And I said, I think it would be good for you to apologize to the people that are here saying you didn't know And for you as well to call the lady 
and apologize to her for your comments. He refused. He came across as arrogant, uncaring, and said to me, I've done nothing wrong. I have nothing to apologize for. Sometimes we have expectations of individuals, and those individuals don't meet those expectations. Have you ever thought or met someone that you had one impression about how they were, and then when you got to know them better, you were shocked that they were entirely different than what you expected? May I suggest to you this morning that that is the case with the prophet Jonah. He is different than any other prophet that we find in the Old Testament. Jonah is the only prophet in the Bible who's recorded as having run away from God. The other thing that's interesting about Jonah is it never portrays, in the book, it never portrays Jonah as someone who ever really repented of his attitudes and of his actions. And when the book ends, it's kind of left there, well, which way is Jonah going to go? Jonah is not the hero in this story. Jonah is the villain in this book. Jonah is the only prophet in the Old Testament whose primary ministry was on foreign soil. Uh, Many of the prophets would speak against other nations, but they didn't go to those nations. They ministered within the confines of Israel and Judah. And yet, of all the minor prophets, Jonah is one of only two that are mentioned by the Lord by name. He talks about Jonah and he talks about Zechariah. And Jonah, in spite of the fact that he is this poisonous prophet, is used as a type of Christ. Even as Jonah was three days in the belly of the well, the Lord would be three days in the tomb. Charles Feinberg has called the book of Jonah the greatest missionary book in the Old Testament. And keep in mind, this book is really about God, not about Jonah. And it's not about sometimes we think of the book of Jonah and all we think of is the great fish. It's really not about the fish. The fish is mentioned four times in the book. The city is mentioned nine times. Jonah is mentioned 18 times. But in these four short chapters, God is mentioned 38 times. There's kind of a change with Jonah in how God is operating. See, pretty much in the Old Testament, the plan of God for that time was that Israel would be blessed. 
Israel would be obedient to God, and for that obedience, God would pour his blessings out upon them. That would enable Israel to be a blessing to all of the nations and would attract the other nations to Israel so that they would come to know and worship God. Now, there's a change in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we are commanded to do what? Go. The Great Commission. We are commanded to go into all the world and take the gospel to them. So Jonah is kind of an exception in the Old Testament because Jonah is commanded to go to the nation of, to the city of Nineveh, the nation of Assyria. Now there have been uh, different outlines for this book that people have come up with. Uh, Someone has put the book this way. Chapter one is Jonah saying, I won't go. Chapter two, okay, I'll go. Chapter three, here I am. Chapter four, I knew I shouldn't have come. (laughs) Someone else has outlined it this way. Chapter one, Jonah flees. Chapter two, Jonah prays. Chapter three, Jonah preaches. Chapter four, Jonah pouts. Now, the outline I like of the book, which is the easiest for me to remember, is this, that Jonah is the sickest book in the Bible. In chapter one, Jonah makes the sea sick. In chapter two, he makes the fish sick. In chapter three, he makes the people of Nineveh sick. And in chapter four, he makes God sick. So all of those, you kind of get the gist They all have the same type of approach and of understanding what this book is telling us. So this morning, I've entitled the message in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah on the run. Now we need to understand that the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, hated the Assyrians. The Assyrians were, you see in our our passage, that their evil has come up before God. They were a very cruel and evil nation. And Israel had a sense of spiritual superiority. They were the recipients of God's covenant blessings. And so they thought they were better than the other peoples in the world. Jonah was sent to Nineveh partially as a way to shame the nation of Israel. Because Jonah is going to go and preach in Nineveh to the nation of Assyria, and we're going to see that a great revival breaks out, which is part of the reason Jonah didn't want to go. Because what he knew about God, he knew if he went and preached judgment in the city of Nineveh that perhaps there might be a bunch of them that would put their trust in God and God would relent on destroying them. That's how much he hated those in Assyria. But it's to shame the people of Israel who have the covenant promises of God who have the blessings of God, who have had prophet after prophet after prophet. See, remember, Jonah is coming along after the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. 
two of the great prophets in Israel's history, history, and yet Israel does not follow after God. So God is trying to get the attention, not only of the Assyrian nation, but the attention of his covenant people. So as we look at the passage that's before us this morning, the first thing that I want you to see is that the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks. Look at it in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Nineveh was a very great city. Wicked city, but a great city. At this time, it's regarded as one of the major cities in the world. But it is so wicked that it would be like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in their wickedness. Historians say it was the foremost city in the world at that time. It was a large, important capital of a dominating empire. And think about that. It would be a very intimidating place to go. As an Israelite, you have been called to go to the city of Nineveh, who is one of your country's major enemies. And you're called to go and to preach uh, there. It would be sort of like God calling one of us uh, to, to go to Baghdad and to go down the streets there preaching and proclaiming the gospel. You get the idea that, that might be intimidating for you to have to do? But the, the Lord speaks. He has a plan for Jonah. He has a plan for the people in Nineveh. There is work that he wants to accomplish, and he has chosen Jonah to be his spokesman, to be the one who is to go and to preach this message. Let me pause for a moment and ask a question. What is God calling you to do? What is God asking you to do for him? You know, everyone that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has a spiritual gift that has been given to us at the moment of salvation. And God has called us to use those gifts for his service, to carry out the plan that he has. So let me ask you, what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to use the gift that he has given to you. If I were to ask you, what is your ministry? What's your ministry? How would you answer that question? Everyone here as a member of the body of Christ should be serving the Lord in some capacity. And if you're not, you should be. And if you're a member of this church and you're not serving, give us a call this week. We'll put you to work. So what is God calling? What is God asking you to do in service for him? 
And also, ask the question, who does God want you to share with? Remember, what are we commanded to do? To go. To go out and... So who are you to go to? Who has God put upon your heart that you should be praying for and looking for an opportunity to share the gospel with? Not just the world in general, but what person is God placing on your heart? Or what people is he placing on your heart? That that's who he wants you to share with, to pray for that they might come to know Christ as Savior. Let's make this personal. It's not just about Jonah. It's about us. What's he calling us to do? The second thing I want you to see in the passage is that Jonah runs. He runs. Look at it in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Tarshish. Why Tarshish? Because it's the furthest place away from Nineveh. Nineveh is 500 miles to the west. Tarshish is like 1,500 miles to the east. He's going the furthest place away from where God has called him to go. So he goes down to Joppa, which is near modern-day Tel Aviv, uh, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Well, this must be of God. I'm down there, and there just happens to be a ship that's going to go to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. Well, God's given me enough money to pay the fare to go to Tarshish, so it must be God's will for me to go there. God must have a change of mind here on what he wants me to do. So he's heading off to Tarshish, and notice at the end of the verse 3 what it says. Away from what? Away from the presence of the Lord. That's pretty funny, isn't it? Away from the presence of the Lord. Remember the words of Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10? Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. He's running away from the presence of God. Where are you going to go? Really? Where do we think we're going when we're going to run away from God? See, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't care about Nineveh. He didn't think God should care about Nineveh. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want a God, don't miss this, this is all about God. He did not want a God who loved people like that. Jonah's problem is not really with the people of Nineveh. His problem is with his God. 
Perhaps Jonah knew that in 30 years, the Assyrians would be invading Israel. He may have known this from two contemporary prophets, Amos and Hosea. And he didn't want to go and do something that might help someone who was going to conquer the northern kingdom. Jonah knew if he went and preached, there was a possibility that God would show that city mercy. And he doesn't want them to have mercy. Jonah runs. Let me ask a question, and let's make this very practical this morning. Are you running from God? Are you running from God? Perhaps there's someone here this morning that you're not saved, you've not put your faith and trust in God, but you've grown up in church, you've grown up hearing the, the gospel. Maybe you even dropped out completely of church and you're just starting to come back a little bit, or maybe you're just here this morning, if you're here, it's not by chance. But are you running from God? Are you running from the one who is the only one that can offer you satisfaction for your soul, who can save you and give you an eternity in heaven? Are you running from God? Dear Christian friends, those who know Christ is your Lord, in Savior. Are you in right relationship with God or are you running from Him? Is serving the Lord a priority in your life? Is there something in your life that you need to, to repent of? Are you running for God? And I just challenge you, you know, think with me for a moment. We're talking about a God who's the omnipresent God, right? There is nowhere that you can go that he is not there. Whether it is the heights of heaven or the lowest depths of hell. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Go to the east, he's there. Go to the west, he's there. Go up, he's there. Go down, he's there. Where are you going to run from him at? And yet somehow we convinced ourselves, and I've been guilty of this, if I'm doing something that I know that I should not be doing, I can convince myself nobody knows, nobody will ever find out. But guess what? Who knows? You are never alone. There's no place that you can go or run to. So are you running from God this morning? The next thing I want us to see is in verses 4 to 6 that the sea becomes rough. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship is about to break up. 
the sailors are afraid. They have not quite seen a storm like this one. And so they're all crying out to their gods. All of them are crying out to to their gods that they might do something to save them. They take the cargo in the ship. They throw it overboard so that they can lighten the ship. And while all of this is going on, where's Jonah? He's asleep. He's gone down into the ship, and he is sound asleep, as if he doesn't have a concern in the world. And see, when we're running from God, we can convince ourselves that everything is okay, but it's not. It is not. God makes this sea rough. And in it, we see God's sovereignty. He's sovereign over the wind. He's sovereign over the waves. He's sovereign over everything. And keep this in mind, that this storm is not a punishment from God. This is an intervention of God. Now, you know what an intervention is for, right? It's for people who are in trouble, and they may not realize they are in trouble, but someone has to make an intervention to get things going in the right way. So God is not cruel in sending the storm. God is showing his mercy and grace in sending the storm so he can get the attention of Jonah. And God has the attention of everybody on that ship except one person. And that's Jonah. In verses 7 to 10, we see Jonah's admission. So everybody on the ship says, hey, you know what? This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. It must be the fault of someone. So let's cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. The book of Proverbs tells us the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so as they cast their lots, who do you guess the lot fell on? None other than Jonah. And so they want to know, beginning in verse 8, then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. They have all kinds of questions for him. Okay, what's your, it's because of you the storm has come. So what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a prophet. (laughs) Now, prophets are supposed to obey God and to say what God has told them to say. Well, where are you from? Well, I'm from Galilee. What's your country? Israel. Who are your people? The Hebrews. Jonah is not living up to what a prophet is supposed to be. 
Jonah is not living up to the plan that God had that through the Hebrews, the Gentiles would be blessed. Jonah is exactly the opposite. That's why I'm calling him the poisonous prophet. So the sailors at this point, they're going to react. And so in verses 11 to to 16, uh, they ask in verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may be quiet for us? Okay, just tell us what to do. Well, what would be the easiest thing for the sea to quiet down? Would it not be for Jonah to repent and tell God that he will be obedient to him? So what will quiet it down? Instead, in verse 12, Jonah says to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. All right, here's your solution, guys. Throw me overboard. I'll die in the storm. I'll die in the waves out there. Believe me, Jonah has no idea of about what is about to happen next. His idea is just throw me overboard and he is going to expect to die. He would rather die than take the message of the grace and the love of God to a people that are perishing. My friends, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But Jonah would rather die than be obedient to God. Well, these pagan sailors, they don't want to throw him overboard. They're afraid if they throw him overboard that his blood will be upon them and that this great God would hold them accountable for it. And so they said, okay, we're we're not going to do that. We're going to try to get to shore. And as they try that, the storm gets worse and worse and worse to where they're finally, it's basically, it's either him or us. Are we all going to die because of this crazy prophet that won't do what his God has told him to do? Or are we going to do what he told us to do and throw him overboard? And so they throw him Overboard. Now you'll notice in verse 17, God still has plans for Jonah. If I can phrase it this way, Jonah's going to Nineveh whether he wants to or not. God has told his prophet to go, and you are going, Jonah. Willingly, unwillingly, you're headed. To the city of Nineveh. And we'll talk about the great fish next week and what happens in, in chapter 2. But I just want to challenge us a little bit this morning. Are you running from God? And if so, isn't it time to stop? 
If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus wants you to come to him, to put your faith and trust in him. And you may have all kinds of reasons and hurts in your past that would, give, that would cause you to say, that's not something I want to do, but I want you to know there is salvation only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're running from him, why not make today the day that you quit running and you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Dear Christian friend, are you running from God? And you may have your reasons. You may say, this is, you don't know what's happened to me, Butch. You know what people have said to me. You don't know what has occurred. Well, I'm sure Jonah could give us his whole list of reasons as well why he's not going to go. Dear Christian friend, God wants you in right relationship with him. And it is time to quit your running and to do what the Lord is calling you to do to repent of your sins and obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its clarity. And Lord, I pray that even now that your spirit would move and work here in our midst. And Father, I would pray that if there's someone here this morning that is running from you, that this might be the end of them running and that they might run to you instead of away from you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>